Very good evening to you. Uh, I thought that uh, I'll start a new study on uh, Jonathan, King Saul's son, Jonathan. And uh, I uh, went through his life and I divided the study into five different uh, uh, studies. And I thought that we'll do the first one today and the next one uh, this coming Sunday. So, if you have your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind turning with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13, and uh, this is the very first time that we are introduced to Jonathan in Scripture. And I'll ask Brother Dean to kindly read for us the first six verses. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 1, Saul reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every one to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. Thank you, Dean. Just a little uh, word of introduction about uh, Jonathan. His name means gift of Jehovah, or the Lord has given. So, he was a man who was given for his generation, a man for that particular period of time. My brother, my sister, I would like you to regard yourself as one who, like David, will serve in your own generation. We have all been given a finite Time here on earth, and each of us has been called to serve the Lord in this our generation. Jonathan was called to do some very special things for God during his life here on earth. So, like Esther, she was come to the kingdom for such a time as this, scripture tells us. See yourself. Also as one who has been given by God with a ministry for this present day and age. Now, Jonathan was David's friend, but he was not among David's mighty men. Now, just before David died, he wrote a list of all the mighty men who had served him, all who were his best friends. But Jonathan was not on that list because he didn't share... David's time as an outlaw, as a fugitive, so he wasn't that close to David. But he was still one of David's great friends. And he was 
throughout his life, he was torn between allegiance to his father, King Saul, and David. He was uh, appalled by the way in which his father, King Saul, treated David. But yet, because of the family connection, he was also supportive of his father, King Saul, right to the end. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 23, we are told that in their death, they were not divided. 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 23. Now, despite this anomaly in his life, he had many commendable features, did Jonathan. And uh, today and uh, next Sunday, I would like to go through some of these features that Jonathan had in his life. The main feature was that he outstripped his father in integrity and courage for the Lord. So, you see, the, the future of the church is dependent on children outstripping the performance of their fathers. You see, uh, the future of our church depends on young men being more devoted to Christ than their fathers. You see, uh, despite paternal failure, uh, we have to be make sure that our generation serves the Lord in a greater way and pass on the example to the next generation. So, let us uh, begin uh, our look at Jonathan by starting uh, here in 1 Samuel 13. This is the very first time that Jonathan is brought to our notice, and we are introduced to him here. Saul had just vanquished the Ammonites, and with Saul's resignation, Samuel's resignation, now Saul was king. And we read that he had an army of 3,000 men, we are told, 2,000 were under his control. Uh, uh, we can see that in verse 2. And a 1,000 men were commanded by Jonathan. Now, Saul's troops were billeted at Michmash, we are told. And then uh, the word Michmash means hidden. And then Jonathan, his 1,000 troops were at Gibeah, and this means a hill. Gibeah means a hill. So, you see the very locations that these two men chose to keep their troops shows the contrasting attitudes that they have. Saul's troops were hidden away, whereas Jonathan's troops were on top of a hill. You see, Saul was complacent even though the Philistines were dominating all around but Jonathan, he wanted his men to be visible. He wanted to be militant against the Philistines. He wanted to show them that we still have a presence here in the land. Now, in the context of the present day, in the context of discipleship, in the context of the New Testament parable, uh, parallel is that we have to take up the cross and not be ashamed of our Savior. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8, we are told, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony 
of our Lord. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So wherever we are, whether we are at home, whether we are at work, whether we are at school, let us be visible for the Lord. Let the Philistines all around us see that we are standing and serving our Savior. Let us not be hidden away, but just like Jonathan's troops, let us be on the hill, visible for the enemy to see. Jonathan, we notice now in verse 3, he carried the battle to the enemy and he smote the Philistine garrison at Geba, the Bible tells us. So, he took the initiative and he won the day. He was not content just to sit back like his father and do nothing. He wanted to do something for God. Jonathan wanted to take the initiative and achieve something for his Lord. You see, <clears throat> uh, even though he took the initiative and won, I noticed that it was his father who got all the credit. Notice in verse 4, it tells us, uh, in verse 3 it says, Jonathan smote the garrison. And then in verse 4 it tells us, And all Israel heard say that Saul had smitten the garrison. Did you see that? Here's the next lesson. Don't be dismayed if others receive praise which you have earned. You may be doing great things for God. You may be serving Him. Sometimes others may receive the credit for your actions. But don't let that put you away. Don't let that uh, put you off continuing to serve for God. You see, even the Lord Jesus, during one of His miracles, somebody else took the credit for something that He did. Just to check if you are awake, I'll just put this uh, question to the floor. <laughs> if you know the answer, raise your hand up. Do you know which miracle it was where somebody else took the credit for what the Lord did? Or somebody else got the credit? Anybody? Which one? Very good. Excellent. John chapter 2 and verse 10. John chapter 2 and verse 10. Thou hast kept the good wine until now, the chief guest at the wedding of Cana said. Who got the credit? It was the bridegroom. So, even in the Lord's own life, others were getting credits for things that he was doing. And he happily accepted it without going to take the credit for himself. So, Jonathan let his father, Saul, take the credit uh, uh, for that incident in their life. Next, I want you to notice that in reaction to Jonathan's attack on the Philistine garrison, the Philistine now marshaled an army of immense proportions. Have a look at verse 5. The Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And the people were as the sand which is on the seashore. They had marshaled an army of huge, huge proportions. Here's the next lesson. 
expect a reaction when you carry the attack to the enemy. The enemy is never going to sit back and take whatever you are doing for God lying down. Let us assume that you have decided to go and witness to, in an area where, uh, they are, uh, where you think they are open to the gospel. But Satan will always uh, bring a reaction to whatever you do for God. Expect a reaction whenever you carry the attack to the enemy. If you remember that uh, Paul, he stormed the headquarters of the cult Diana in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. And it says there that there were many adversaries. Expect adversaries when we do something for God. And also in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 13, there was a backlash there to the faithful testimony of the church in this place where Satan's throne was and Antipas was martyred, as you can see. So don't be surprised when a new initiative in the gospel attracts hostility. It will definitely happen. But take courage, my brother and sister, like Jonathan. Go ahead and attack the enemy and do something for God. Now, the rest of chapter 13 paints uh, a picture of a dispirited people under the command of a foolish king. And we can see that as soon as they saw the army of the Philistines were as the sand on the shore, they became fearful inside themselves. How do we know that? Well, we are told that they started to hide themselves in verse 6, uh, in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. You see, God has given us scripture so that we can understand and learn from what has been told to us in the past. Every week, you are given wonderful Bible teaching. And these things are for us to learn from. Every day, you will be reading your Bible and studying. And you would learn many of God's wonderful promises. These are promises that we need to keep in our heart and hold on to. But you see, um, the children of Israel were so frightened that they forgot about all the great things that God had done for them. They immediately went and started hiding away. If you remember in Joshua chapter 11 and verse 8, a similar horde of people tried to halt the progress of Joshua's army. And it tells us, the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel. He won a great battle for them. Then we recently saw that the host of Midian, they were of a similar large proportion. And 300 men won that great battle. You see, my brother, my sister, knowledge of the power and protection of God should have instilled confidence into Saul's army. They should have known from the past how God had protected them, that they can rely on him. But the lessons of history were ignored. They sulked and they hid away behind the bushes, in the pits, in the bolt holes. 
my brother, my sister, I appeal to you to avoid the mistakes that they made. Scriptural history is for our learning. That is why things have been written in scripture for us. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, we are told why these things have been written in scripture for us. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So the examples are there for us. We only need to believe in our heart. We only need to believe in our hearts. So take courage from what you read and realize that our God is unchanging and his power from generation to generation is undiminished. He can do for us what he did in the past. Now, uh, this is the end of uh, Jonathan's exploits here in chapter 13. Now, the next that we see him doing something for God, is in chapter 14. So I would ask Brother Dean if he would kindly read for us the first 15 verses of chapter 14, please. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Now it happened one day that Jonathan the son of Saul had said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side, but he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bazas, and the name of the other was Sena. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of the Philistine, of the uncircumcised, that it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men. And we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, and then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, for this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as they came after him, his armor bearer killed them. 
That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half acre of land. Thank you. So chapter 14 sees him go on the offensive again. And he only had the support of his armor bearer when he took the attack to the Philistines. Now, in verse 1, he says, let us go over. You see, on occasions, if something is to be done for God, it will require a man to distance himself from the ordinary and the mediocre and go and do something for God. And Jonathan decided to do that. And verse 1 also tells us something significant. It tells us that he told not his father. He told not his father. Why is it, do you think, that Jonathan did not tell his father before he went to attack the Philistines for the second time? Yes, his father wouldn't approve of it, but mainly in the previous chapter, verse 13, it tells us, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. You see, Jonathan knew that his father was not in touch with God. He was uh, at a distance from God. He was backslidden. He was sitting under a tree doing nothing. You see, he knew from this source, his father, there would be no encouragement to do anything for God. So he did not go and ask his father. My brother, my sister, if you are taking advice, take advice from your godly leaders. Do not go and ask advice from those who are not close to God, those who are not leading a godly life. You can see around you who is leading a godly life and who isn't. And it's from the ones that are setting the example. You need to go and ask advice. Do you remember Samson? On three occasions, uh, Samson concealed things from his father. He didn't tell him about the slaying of the lion, lest there be an inquiry as to why a Nazarite is in a vineyard. And then second, he didn't tell his father about the source of the honey, because that would have been the breaking of his vow would have been exposed. And then thirdly, Samson didn't tell his father about the riddle test, as he was worried that there would be a rebuke for just toying with the Philistines. You see, Samson was an expert in cover-up. And that is why he didn't tell his father. But Jonathan, on the other hand, you see, he was in touch with God. He knew that his father was out of touch with heaven. He knew that Samson had told him, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandments of the God. He knew that from this source, there would be no encouragement to do anything for God. So that is why verse 1 tells us, he did not tell his father. 
Now, I want you to notice next, the next lesson that we learn from Jonathan is in verse 3. And at the end of verse 3, it tells us, And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. So, firstly, he did not tell his father when he went to do something for God. Secondly, he did not tell the people when he went to do something for God. Others knew nothing of his intention. Jonathan was not the type to go around boasting about his exploits for God. You see, Nehemiah, he was also built out of the same mold. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 12. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nehemiah also did things for God, but he did it in his heart. And uh, even the tragic Ahab also, we see in uh, 1 Kings that he also was someone who did not boast when he did something, although most of his life uh, was lost in various other principles that he forgot. So, if you have any ideas of doing something for God, uh, do not uh, boast about it. Do not uh, tell others that I have done this, I have done that, I am doing this ministry, I am doing that ministry. Go ahead and do things, but do it quietly for God. Do it diligently for God. There is no need for any rewards here on earth, because all the rewards will be up there in heaven for us. Let us be humble like Jonathan was. Now, next I want you to notice that the assault on the Philistine garrison was fraught with many difficulties. In verses 4 and 5, we are told that the terrain was awkward. There were sharp rocks, it tells us. And then in verse 13, we see that he had to climb using his hands and feet. So, there were a number of factors that contributed to Jonathan going through this hard work to claim this victory for God. Here are some of the factors that contributed towards his victory. Firstly, Jonathan was prepared for the effort that was involved. You see, in verse 10, it tells us that uh, he says, uh, we will go up. We will go up. Now, uh, when you hear the words go up, you know that there is effort involved. You cannot go up without an effort. In Haggai's day also, in Haggai chapter 1 and verse 8, the timber for building the temple was not lying at hand. If the work was to be done, they would have to go up, the Bible tells us. If anything was to be achieved for God, effort was needed. There is the need for sacrifice and effort if we are to achieve anything for our God. Remember that, my brother, my sister. Then I want you to notice also that he was aware that God would work for them despite the small numbers that he had with him. In verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save. By many or by few. He knew 
the promises that his God had given him before. He knew the historical lessons that with small numbers, great things could be achieved for God. My brother, my sister, let us make sure that uh, even, for example, uh, in church, for example, diminishing numbers need not be a a deterrent for us in our effort or in our confidence in God. God can do great things through a small number. Small numbers throughout scripture, great things have been achieved for God. Then I also noticed from verses 8 to 10, that he was anxious to know God's guidance and strategy. You see, he was reluctant to go out without having all these steps in place. While the, the will of God is not always easy to discern, but it is so important that we should be in the frame of mind which desires above all else to submit to his will. You see, from verses 8 to 10, if you read that, you will see that Jonathan was desiring to submit to God's will in what he was doing. He had the frame of mind of wanting to do that. He was wanting to know how God could work for them. And that is something, that frame of mind contributed greatly to his uh, winning this particular battle. Then next I want you to notice that another cause why he won the battle was he enjoyed the support of his armor bearer. Do you remember Peter, the preacher, in Acts chapter 2, the first great gospel message and 3,000 souls were saved. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 14, it tells us that when Peter stood up to preach the gospel, he stood up with the eleven. He stood up with the eleven. So he had others with him who would support and help him. You see, multitudes of the Lord's people come into this category as helpers. And such support is invaluable. If you are someone who helps or supports your fellow brother and sisters in their endeavors for God, great things can be achieved. Make sure that you purpose in your heart that you want to be a helper, a supporter of others in their service for God. Then next I want you to notice in verse 11 that ridicule did not deter him. The Philistines said to him, oh, come on out of your hole, come and challenge us. They were ridiculing him. But ridicule did not deter him. Just as Goliath, do you remember what he said when he saw David coming with sticks and stones? He was trying to ridicule him. But that did not deter David. And the same way the Philistines here in verse 11 trying to ridicule Jonathan. But it did not stop him from achieving something for God. My brother, my sister, as you go out and live your life for God, as you go out into the world and you witness to your neighbors and friends, don't let ridicule, don't let Satan put you off from achieving great things for God. So, with this background, we notice that Jonathan's incursion into the Philistine territory, well, he didn't achieve a huge amount. 
in verse uh, 14, it tells us that 20 Philistines were killed and he gained half an acre of land. But my brother, my sister, from small beginnings, great things can be achieved for God. He may have only won a small amount of territory. He may have only killed a small amount of Philistines. But you know, these small steps are the foundations for great things to be achieved for God. So, uh, God intervened and the earth quaked and then the rest of the Philistine army fled away. So, let us be like Jonathan. Let Jonathan's experience be an encouragement to us from insignificant beginnings. A great work for God can be achieved. So I'll just uh, sum up the main points there. Remember that Jonathan's name meant the Lord has given. He was a man given for his generation. Remember that you have been placed here as a person for this generation and this time to serve God. Remember that Jonathan's warriors were militant and visible. They were not content to be hidden. Let us also be like Jonathan and stand out for God. Remember that he took the initiative and won the day, even though his father took the credit. Don't be dismayed if others receive praise which you have earned. Then next, I want you to remember that when you carry the attack to the enemy, expect a reaction from the enemy. They are not going to sit down and take it lying down. Next, I want you to remember that the knowledge of the power and protection of God has been given to us in Scripture. These lessons of history, we must not ignore it in our mind. Avoid this mistake. Scriptural history is for our learning. We must take comfort from the promises of God. And then, remember, he did not tell his father. Why? Because his father was out of touch with God, and from this source... There is no point taking advice because there would be no encouragement to do anything for God. And then remember that Jonathan did not tell anybody else his plans because he was not the type to go around boasting that I am going to go out there and do something for my country against the Philistines. He was humble. And then remember that Jonathan was prepared for effort. He wanted to go up. He was willing to work hard. To achieve something for God. Remember that he was aware that God could work despite small numbers. He told his armor bearer, it does not matter. God can achieve great things with just a couple of us. Remember that he was anxious to know God's guidance and strategy. He was wanting to discern the will of God. Let us be people like that. Remember that he enjoyed the support of his armor bearer. Let us be those who are willing to help others in their service for God. Remember that ridicule did not deter him. The enemy will bring all kinds of obstacles for you in your service for God. Don't let that put you off from serving God. And then remember that even though he only want half an acre of land he gained in this incursion, but great things for God can be achieved from small beginnings. We will continue next Sunday. Let's close in prayer. 
Our Father, we thank Thee that Scripture is given to us for learning, that we should uh, take to heart what we have studied in Scripture and ex- uh, and put it into practice in our life. We thank Thee, our Father, for the numerous examples that have been given to us in the Bible. And we pray, our Father, that even as we seek to lead lives that are pleasing to Thee, that Thou would give us every enabling from above. Part us now with Thy blessings. We ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.